0: I'm Rico.
1: And I'm Jessica.
0: And this is the Always the Critic Podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Today, we are wrapping up this long series.
1: It has been a sprint to the finish.
0: It really has. It's Not so much that it's been long in terms of how many episodes we've done. It's just been how many movies we've watched in this series, which is a total... of 25 movies. Wow. 25. We did it.
1: Well, 26 because one isn't canon.
0: That is true. One of them is yeah. not canon. So never we have say watched, never again. We have watched 26 <laughs> Bond movies. Wow. So if you're joining us right now, you are joining us on the final episode of the They Call Me Bond series that we have done here on Always the Critic. Uh, we are wrapping up today by talking about Daniel Craig. And his interpretation of Bond. (laughs) And towards the end of the episode, we will be doing some superlatives. We'll be giving out, you know, we'll be ranking the Bonds. We'll be mentioning what our favorite Bond songs are, best villains, among other things. So stay tuned for that later on in the episode. But in the meantime, if this is your first time listening... Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us.
1: Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. And if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron for as little as $2 a month. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com alwayscriticpod.
0: So like I mentioned, we are going to wrap up this Bond series by talking about the last Bond that we have seen, which is Daniel Craig. Yes. He began his run in 2006 with Casino Royale, and he ended his run this year, uh, the brand new movie, No Time to Die, here in 2021. The longest lasting in years, bond wise. Oh. Yeah. So, in terms of bond, he is the longest lasting from first movie to last movie. Not the most Uh movies, but just the most amount of time. Uh, So, with that said, let's go ahead and let's talk about Daniel Craig. Let's do it. So, this is the first blonde bond. Uh, No other bond had been blonde before this. There was some criticism about that, apparently really yes when he was first oh, well i don't remember the well yeah no i I, I understand kerfuffle
1: uh, in the film
0: oh yeah so there was a criticism when daniel craig was hired as bond and people were like wait why is he blonde and you know like he had never been interpreted as a blonde before every other interpretation of of james bond had a certain type of look like you know they Obviously dashing and everything, but with suave brunette hair, pretty much. And this was a slight departure for the franchise, for most people at least. And I got to say, I don't think it matters.
1: I don't give a shit. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: But I just wanted to mention that people were against the fact that he was Bond also... Um, another slight critis- criticism about Craig coming into it, supposedly not that handsome compared to the other bonds. A lot there was some criticism about that. Apparently,
1: okay, so that's just personal, like who yeah. you feel is attractive to you. I don't. I also don't really give a give a hoot.
0: <laughs> so here's here's a a funny thing. So. Uh, there was some, uh, I don't know how you call them, but the London Daily Telegraph.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, when the announcement was made about Daniel Craig, there was a lot of re- writing in from This is a, this is a
1: London newspaper. It's going to be brutal.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's like it's a shame that the one iconic English character, which we can feel genuinely proud of and which makes the rest of the world slightly upset they weren't born an Englishman, looks like a charmless big-issue vendor. Surely there are English actors who combine strength and sex appeal. No doubt he was fantastic in Our Friends in the North and smoldering in some BBC Mr. Darcy role, but any self-respecting Bond girl would die laughing in our Shrek-alike hero tried his luck in an obviously out-of-character monkey suit. The toughest job filming Casino Royale goes to Miss Moneypenny having to pretend she wants a piece of that face.
1: Oh my God. That is scathing. Uh,
0: a very simple short one. Simply put, it should have been Hugh Jackman. We'll put aside the fact that he's Australian. He's
1: Australian, yeah.
0: Daniel Craig will be another George Le- uh, Lazenby. No. That's how, yeah.
1: They thought he was going to be a one timer.
0: And finally, last one that I'll read. I'm sure a blonde could play James Bond, but not somebody who is so ugly and uncharismatic as Daniel Craig. I remember him playing Ted Hughes in Sylvia, and that was a really awful performance. My suspicion is that he was just not a very good actor. So if you're not very good looking, not a good actor, you shouldn't be the new James Bond. So let's just say his reception as Bond at the beginning was not met openly. Like, very warmly, let's just say. With that said, though...
1: They were wrong. (laughs) They were wrong. (laughs) They were dead wrong.
0: Because he is great. He's really
2: good. I think
0: he he brings enough of the... There's enough charm. Like, the way the movies are set up, he doesn't have to be the most charming man in the room. Mm -hmm. But he has enough charm for the situations that he needs it in. He's very physical, which this is this set of movies really leans into.
1: Yeah, it leans into Bond as an athlete.
0: Yes. And the fact that these movies are a little more grounded, a little more uh, gritty, if you will, and I put that in quotation marks, this, I mentioned this on our last episode that the movie franchise kind of reset itself with Daniel Craig in this whole era where everyone was going into dark, gritty reboots. Yes, yes. So he's right on the train, the same train that Batman took just a year before uh, with Nolan's reinterpretation. I really think that that
1: Nolan personally, I think that Nolan had a huge influence on the James Bond franchise because Nolan was putting out essentially James Bond movies. And James Bond was like still in this campy no man's land that Bond just wasn't that cool anymore
0: no he had gotten to be cheesy yeah like even the most diehard James Bond fan would tell you that where the franchise was at the time ending on Pierce Brosnan's uh the world is not enough no wait tomorrow no, no, no. tomorrow die another day die another day I'm so sorry it's just that those titles are too There's close die together in like three of them. I yes know. they're too close together and leaving where that movie left off I think a lot of people were rubbed the wrong way and saying this has gotten too cheesy it's gotten too out of character Mm -hmm. and so the studios decided you know what let's reset
2: Mm -hmm. you
0: know everybody else is going down this route of you know making a dark character let's let's jump on that train and i I think think,
1: i also want to say really fast is that after 9-11 the world was just different
0: oh that's a very good point
1: and I think that the state of espionage what had to be rethought for this new Bond era. Uh,
0: you know what? I agree with that. Yeah. Because everything became heightened in terms of uh, espionage, war during that time.
1: Information. There's, you know, intelligence was a huge, it became everything.
0: Yes, you are right about that. And who had the information and how could we get the information? It was no longer about being fun and being, you know, like, oh, this suave debonair is just going to, you know, stop some yeah. plot, some ridiculous plot.
1: I think it became less about um, rich, you know, billionaire individuals who had some wonky weird plan for the end of the world and less about fighting individual countries than it became about fighting shadow entities and terrorist organizations and people, uh, you know, villains that had no face or were unknown.
0: Yes. I I see exactly what you're saying and you are right about that.
1: And that's the general feel of these Daniel Craig movies. Yeah. And it's just you know, it's not as uh, black and white.
0: No. There there are gray areas mm. throughout the, even with uh, MI6. Yeah. Like, there yeah. are gray areas where they are diving into some muddy waters in the way they handle uh, mm. retrieving information or fighting these shadow clandestine organizations. Yeah. Um, everybody has to be part of that game. And I think that the way Craig portrayals this character, I think, is so suitable for the way the direction of the franchise went yeah. with his movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I really enjoy Daniel Craig's performance throughout. Uh, there's one thing I will say, I wish there was just a tad bit more humor.
1: He is basically humorless. For the most part. I don't part, want yes. to say humorless, because there's some movies where you're like, oh,
2: Oh, he has something, yeah. Yeah, he says something. something and gives
1: you a little chuckle or something. But for the most part, he's not pulling out these outrageous puns. He's not generally so inappropriate as previous Bonds. And he is a little more reserved. Yes. He reminds me a lot of Timothy Dalton.
0: (laughs) Yes. So we mentioned this on the Timothy Dalton episode that Timothy Dalton was ahead of his era. Yeah. Because... If that bond was set now, or, you know... I think least, if
1: Dalton had 20 pounds of muscle on him, it would it would be essentially Daniel Craig.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. At the and, very least. <laughs> or if Dalton was, you know, set in two, mid-2000s, like, yeah. he would have excelled as mm-hmm. that bond.
1: I fully believe so as well.
0: And, you know, so he was just a little too early but craig
1: i don't think people understood that bond like people were ready to accept daniel craig's bond
0: no exactly they were not ready for that bond at that time you are right about that also like i mentioned on that other on that episode broston had the role and then yes. <laughs> had to back out because of Remington Steele so oh my god all right so i think you and i pretty much like daniel craig we like yeah, yeah i like we, we Bond really by. like it, so yes. why not get started? Let's do it. And let's start. Let's talk about his movies. So let's do it. Let's start gonna... with
1: Casino Royale. 2006. 06.
0: That is right. All so, right. Jessica, what is Casino Royale about?
1: After earning 00 status and a license to kill, secret agent James Bond sets out on his first mission as 007. Bond must defeat a private banker funding terrorists in a high-stakes game of poker at Casino Royale Montenegro. Yes. Directed so this, by Martin yes. Campbell. Martin Campbell has done a few things since this 06 Bond, including um, The Green Lantern <laughs> from 2011, which isn't a bit... I mean, no one wants to remember that movie, but he also did The Foreigner with Jackie Chan, and he did The Protégé from earlier this year, 2021, with Maggie Q and Daniel... Uh, Keaton, Michael, Michael Key. Previously to Casino Royale, he had done GoldenEye. In 95, so we talked about Goldeneye on the last episode. He did The Mask of Zorro and The Legend of Zorro in 98 and 05, respectively. Those are two very good movies. And then he also did Vertical Limit in 2000, which I, for some reason, vividly remember that movie.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) sure. Yeah. All right, so this movie is written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Paul Haggis. It stars, like we mentioned, Daniel Craig as James Bond. He is joined by Ava Green as Vesper Lind. Judy Dench comes back to play M. Jeffrey Wright is Felix Later, part of the CIA. Mads Mickelson is LaSheif, the villain of the movie. And then Gianarlo Giannini is Renee Mathis. So let's go ahead and let's start with first off, how did people react to this movie? Critics and audiences. What can you tell us, Jessica?
1: It is sitting at a 94% Rotten Tomatoes score. It's not rotten at all. It's super fresh. Audience score is 90%. The critics' consensus reads, Casino Royale disposes of the silliness and gadgetry that plagued recent James Bond outings, and Daniel Craig delivers what fans and critics have been waiting for, a caustic, haunted, intense reinvention of 007.
0: Kind of goes exactly with the theme of we were talking about. uh the audiences were willing to accept it now at that time, mm-hmm. a more dark, gritty version of the character. So uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about the Bond song first, because that's okay. what we've been doing. Okay. Uh, the Bond song here is You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, so how do you feel about You Know My Name? Not so good. Not so good.
1: Not so good, I think. <laughs> I didn't like it. Um especially when, when paired with this opening credit sequence that's actually very good. Um, it, you know, forego the usual naked ladies and it went with the stylized Bond killing bad guys and lots of casino moti- motifs. I really liked that opening sequence. And then you have, you know my name on top of it and you're like, oh, like it just was not good.
0: So you and I are polar opposites on this.
2: Really? Because
0: I think this is a great song. (laughs) Oh,
2: shit. I think (laughs)
0: it is greatly paired with that opening sequence.
2: Ooh. I
0: love Chris Cornell's vocals on this song. Okay. And for the most part, yeah, I think this is a great Bond song.
1: And And
0: And it's a departure as well. From the typical Bond song, most Bond songs do have like that slow pace to Mm -hmm. them, right? You know, and for the most part, you and I, I think we agree that timelessness is something that we kind of seek with the Bond song for the most part. But for some reason, this one I know is not timeless because it has like a rock feel to it and it it kind of goes with that time. Mm -hmm. But I think the mixture of his vocals plus the fact that it's something new in the franchise combined allowed me to really view this in a different way. And I don't mind just putting this on, you know?
1: Oh, I would never.
0: Oh, so you and I are different there. (laughs) So you and I are different on You Know My Name, the Bond song for Casino Royale. So let's talk about quickly the movie. And, you know, what's memorable and what we really enjoy about it. So let's start with the Bond girl.
1: Oh, okay. so
0: do you want to start there? Or would you no, rather start I don't, with the
1: villain? I don't. I, I think we should start at the beginning because I love the black and white intro with Bond killing his first or second dude second, ever.
0: Second dude ever.
1: Ever, which grants him double O status. Yes. Because I found that so riveting.
0: Yeah, the fact that they do it in black and white.
1: That they do it in black and white. That's it, the first time a Bond movie has ever been in black and white.
0: That is very true. Yeah. That's very true. I think what's pretty inventive of these movies is that – oh, inventive um, inventive's the wrong word. Uh, they kind of borrow a little bit of the like Bourne series type of fighting style. Not the shaky cam. But like the fighting feels very realistic. It's not like these fake punches. Like it feels like they are trying to intentionally hurt and kill each other in Absolutely. most of these movies. Yes. So I really there is fight enjoy choreo. <laughs> yes, there is fight choreo throughout. So I I really enjoy that. I think that that's a great way to establish the tone of this movie and everything going forward. Uh, some so of the- I
1: like that the Madagascar chase scene with the crane fight.
0: Yes, that is, is
1: pretty darn good. Yes, it is. And I like that the man being chased is doing hardcore parkour.
0: Hardcore parkour.
1: <laughs> because Bond is like keeping up with him and he's not doing any of the parkour. So I'm like, no, oh, he's not. it's like, it's like good. Like the difference between them, but he's still on his hot on his tail. So I want to know why Mads Mikkelsen looks so good.
2: Okay. <laughs> I'm oh. like
1: genuinely confused. Um, like, he, like, wipes blood, tears out of his blue eye, and he's got, like, an inhaler. Like, why is he still so attractive when <laughs> like, these weird things happening?
0: He is a super intriguing villain.
1: I would say so, too, because a villain that's just a money man feels mm- pretty new as well yeah. to Bond.
0: Because, for the most part, it's either some type of brute or yes. some type of mastermind.
1: Well, the, yeah, the mastermind. And he's not... A mastermind.
0: No. no, he's not.
1: Right. He is a banker, like the I'm to b synopsis says. But so I found that really cool. I liked how Maggie Chung was playing pool at, at the yacht at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Good stuff. Um, The famous Daniel Craig walking out of the water at the beach.
0: Let me tell you. that, that
1: is- Was that hearkening back to Halle Berry's exit from it's the It's
0: very close. Okay. Because there's that. There's... Um. Obviously, Halle Berry. There's also Ursula and dress coming out of the water and Doctor No as Mm. Doctor No. Yeah, the uh, Honey Rider, Uh because she was collecting shells, but she came out of the water as well (laughs) in the swimsuit. Right. So, yeah, it's it it has like homages to its past.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, So I like that.
0: Yeah, those are good. And
1: the suit was also very interesting. His bathing suit. Yeah, it was like tiny shorts,
0: very tiny shorts
1: with like the white belt, I think still skies
0: out, thighs out.
1: <laughs> OK, I think we're at a good place to talk about Vesper.
0: Yes, yes, we are. <laughs>
1: you're like, yes, this is what I want to talk about. OK, go for it.
0: OK, Vesper, Vesper gives us something that we truly have not seen. I don't think we've seen truly in the Bond series. Mm hmm. A woman that Bond truly cares for. I think that this is the first time.
1: I hate to say this, but I feel like he's cared for many women before in the sense that if they live or die. Right. But in this case, I feel like there's emotional stakes where there weren't before.
0: Exactly. That the emotional stakes of having uh, a woman that challenges yes his his ideas challenges what he wants in life Mm -hmm. what he's after Mm -hmm. you know does he want this life of that secret agent or is vesper pulling him to a more normal life Mm
2: -hmm. that's
0: actually full of emotion and love throughout and Mm -hmm. i really like that and yeah ava green Is an incredible actress. She's
1: phenomenal, amazing actress, as you said. I've said this before on the podcast. She frightens me. I know, but in this in this movie, I don't think that she's frightening me as much as other movies. I think that she's entertaining to watch. She is. She seems to relish the dialogue and being opposite Daniel Craig.
0: Yes. And looks great doing it.
1: Oh, my gosh. She looks stunning. She's beautiful. She, she's resplendent. She, just is. Splendid. she um, really is. No lie. She's just so, so beautiful. And I mean, even as soon as she sits down, I'm like, who is this girl? You know, she sits down. I'm the money.
0: I think that this probably was an intro for a lot of people for Ava Green.
2: Oh. Like
0: the the common like movie-going audience that maybe is not like diving into a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. This is probably like the big entrance for Ava Green for a lot of people.
1: I had already seen her, I think, in Kingdom of Heaven. Right. This it's, was during the Orlando Bloom Massance as well. <laughs> like the tail end of that. Yes. <laughs> so. So
0: for for like big movie people, like people who really like to dive into many movies, it wasn't the first time, but casual audiences who go to watch bigger blockbusters and stuff this was the entrance for them the entry mm-hmm. point for her so i i want to say that there's a couple of memorable scenes in this movie and I
1: think the train scene with them together yes is,
0: the, the train oh scene gosh. is fantastic
1: it's just sabroso you know like it's so layered and well written um i love how he's trying to guess her past. Yes, and then she does the same to him. Gets everything right.
0: Yeah, gets everything right.
1: Gets everything right. The only thing she gets wrong is she guesses his watch is a Rolex.
0: Right, and and it's, it's an Omega. It's or an Omega. Omega, however you want to say that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he says uh, Omega.
0: <laughs> I think that a lot of the poker scenes are memorable. Just it's also a callback to Connery's entrance. Oh yeah, in Doctor No. There is casino
1: scenes in and out of yeah. all of the bonds. Yeah.
0: For sure. And those high intense games between LeChef and Bond, you know, going back and forth, trying to get to know each other by playing poker, mm-hmm. but at the same time trying to like eke out information about one another. Like right. who who they're reading who's really... each other
1: just like how they did on the train.
0: Yes. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Which F- is I mean, brilliant, you know? Yeah,
0: brilliant stuff. Um, Once Bond is captured.
1: Oh, my God. That torture scene. The torture scene is is, so jarring.
0: It's jarring and super memorable, though. Yes. Like, I will never forget when Bond starts kind of (laughs) chuckling during this sequence. Yeah. A little bit to the right.
1: So first of all, I think the torture scene starts off with a bang because they cut the cane out of the chair. Yes, and you're just like, where the hell is this going? Exactly, you know. And then again, he starts hitting him with that. What was that? Like it was like with like a a rope with like
0: it? a some type of bagged weights or something.
1: Yeah. And yeah, Bond doesn't give up any information. Nope. And he, in fact, tries to make light of the situation and says, I've got an itch down there. <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind? I'm <laughs> like, just eggs on Le Chief. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's great. Like, you don't expect that. He is definitely the most vulnerable we've ever seen Bond. He's stripped completely naked. Yeah. And whenever um, Vesper cries out in the next room, you see his obvious panic
0: yes because he's obviously in love with this woman
1: he can be as strong as he wants when it's just one-on-one with him and Lashif, but he they have something precious of his you know i haven't seen that kind of desperation on bond before
0: no never because he's always playing it like really cool like nothing's gonna phase me type of thing right for the most and part.
1: it wasn't an anger sort of desperation because we've no. definitely seen that before where Bond gets a little mad and he's like, you know, demanding of somebody.
0: It's worried. Yes. Desperation. Mm-hmm. Like, what is going to happen to her? Mm-hmm. You know? I feel
1: like the theme of this whole movie is ego. Oh, okay. That Bond needs to battle his ego and basically gain some humility.
0: Oh, okay. I, I see. Ava
1: Green does this perfectly where she's like, um, He goes to the hotel in Montenegro and he says his real name. They've just given him a whole name, backstory, everything fake so that he's not using his real name. He pulls up to the concierge and is like, oh, James Bond. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? And before she gets on the elevator, she says, now they know something about you, that you're reckless. Yes. And then walks on the elevator and says, take the next one. There's not enough room for me and your ego. (laughs) So good. I love it. I love that she's spicy. I love that she sees right through him. There is no secrets between them. Yeah. You know, they seem to be on equal footing right from the get-go.
0: For the most part, yes. Yeah. They are. So I think let's go ahead and let's pretty much talk about the end. Okay. Uh, So... We are building towards what we are led to believe is somewhat of a happy ending, but there's some backstabbing. There's some behind the scenes stuff happening.
1: I want to say that before the backstabbing, it was like the most romantic a James Bond movie has ever been. Yes, you are right about that. The montage of them sailing around (laughs) is achingly beautiful and they start playing up the Vesper suite which that score is so good.
0: It is beautiful.
1: Yes, David Arnold is the composer on that and he just did a fantastic job. I think it's so achingly beautiful and encapsulates everything that is Vesper and also their relationship, right? Mhm. This song feels romantic and sad and also very menacing. There seems to be a dark side sometimes in the in the score itself. So, I feel like it's just so fitting and it only elevates the movie.
0: I see what you're saying. it, it, it is something that makes the audience at the moment feel almost like reassured like, hey, we're we're getting to a comfortable place mm-hmm. with these two. Yeah. And then it's ripped away from you.
1: It's ripped away.
0: And the Vesper fr- double cross. Oof, yeah, the Vesper looms cross.
1: over the rest of the franchise.
0: Yeah, I like I've mentioned. I think I mentioned this on the No Time to Die episode, but the fact that this is a running thread throughout mm-hmm. the entire James Bond Daniel Craig run, yeah, is unique because we had never really seen something carry over multiple movies. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest. Thing that we have seen in the past that carries over multiple movies is either Blofeld, Blofeld, Blofeld. being a villain, mm-hmm. uh, Spectre as an organization,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or mentioning that he had been married in uh, Your Majesty's, uh, on Your Majesty's uh, Secret Service.
1: Yes, to yeah, the Tracy marriage, right? In one movie, yeah, and
0: they mention it in the Dalton movie. That he had been married in the past. One right. of the Dalton's. I
1: feel like it's also mentioned in a, in another movie.
0: It probably is, but I'm but not remembering it It is now.
1: two mentions in, yeah. you know, what, 15 movies or so?
0: <laughs> but it's not the same like this where it actually affects our character and his own emotional journey mm-hmm. throughout multiple movies.
1: Yeah. The loss is just so profound.
0: It's profound. So that that... Sets us up with how this bond is going to be treated. This bond is going to be portrayed by Daniel Craig. Any yeah. other thoughts on Casino Royale before we move on?
1: I loved the dialogue of when he's recovering after the torture scene. And he says, oh. there's no armor left. You've stripped it from me. Whatever is left of me. And then repeats it. He says, whatever is left of me, I'm yours.
0: Yes.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And it, then I also have this line from M, right? After the double cross, after all is said and done, she goes, sometimes we're so focused on our enemies, we forget to check our friends. Ah,
0: see, that's a good one.
1: Uh, so ultimately, I feel like he loses what's left of his soul in losing Vesper.
0: He does because. And he, he learns
1: his lesson not to trust anybody,
0: not to trust anyone, keep the guard up at all times. Yeah. So that takes us into the next movie, which is from 2008, two years later. Quantum of Solace. Uh, right. Jessica, would you like to tell us about this movie?
1: Sure. IMGb synopsis. James Bond descends into mystery as he tries to stop a mysterious, organ- mystery, mysterious organization from eliminating a country's most valuable resource. It is directed by Mark Forster. Mark Forster has since directed um, World War Z in 2013 and Christopher Robin in 2018, which is an excellent movie i love christopher robin um before quantum of solace he had done the kite runner stranger than fiction finding Mm. neverland and monsters ball which Halle berry a former bond girl won uh, her oscar off of that movie not bad yeah
0: so this the writers of the movie are all returning from the previous movie so paul Haggis, neil purvis robert wade they're all back to write this one it stars daniel craig he is joined this time uh by Judy Dench, of course, by Giancarlo Giannini as Renee Mathis. So those are the returning characters, along with Jeffrey Wright as Felix later. Uh, the newcomers in this movie uh, Bond girl Olga Kirilenko as Camille. We have Matthew Almerich as Dominic Green. We have, uh, is it Gemma or Gemma? It's probably yeah, I Gemma. I think it's
2: Gemma. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's Gemma. I, I don't know why I asked that. Gemma Arterton as Strawberry Fields and David <laughs> Harbour as Greg Beam. Now, let's start with the uh, the reception of this movie. Okay. So we started off on a pretty high. We have How,
1: ni- 90s yes. for Rotten Tomatoes. How about this? Quantum of Solace is sitting at a 64% Rotten Tomato score with a 58% percent audience score the critics consensus reads brutal and breathless quantum of solace delivers tender emotions along with frenetic action but comes on the heels of casino royale it's still a bit of a disappointment so coming on the heels coming
0: up on the heels of it i i do want to apologize because I, I i didn't want to miss this just going back to casino royale real quick oh uh, yeah sure what did you give that movie as a score
1: oh four out of five
0: yeah And Me too. It's a a four out of five for me as well. I just wanted to clear that up before we continue. All right. So let's talk about the Bond song. So the Bond song here is Another Way to Die. And this is by Alicia Keys and Jack White. So this is, I think this feels like the first time where two different artists are joining together for Mm. a Bond song. From Uh,
1: like different genres as well. Yeah,
0: different genres as well. What did you think about this song?
1: This was discombobulated. I felt like this move. This was weird. Just so strange. Of a song. I.
0: It's just that the two don't work they don't together.
1: Go together, yeah.
0: I think that if the song was just Jack White, it would work. Or if it's just Alicia Keys, it could work. Mm-hmm. But the blending of their their voices, it doesn't feel like it matches the tone. It matches Jack White because it's more of a rock type it's more of song his style. Yeah. yeah. but it doesn't really work as well with Alicia Keys, just because it's not her style of music.
1: And the thing is, if you get a person to, sing, like a famous artist to sing a bond song, you kind of want it to sound like like them.
0: Right in in their you know version saying? of what they sing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the fact this that she doesn't changed sound like her, Alicia
1: Keys at all. So why would you get Alicia? It just.
0: It just feels uh, like getting a name for the sake of getting a name.
1: Exactly. Feels That's, kind of like an empty gesture.
0: Right. All right. So let's go ahead. And let's talk about the movie. Okay. I think for you and I, this might be the most forgettable.
1: It is the most forgettable.
0: Just because this movie kind of feels – well, not kind of. It, it is it is down from the previous movie.
1: Huge departure.
0: Huge departure. Not yes. anywhere near as good only because I don't think we have a good villain, number one, no. in Dominic Green. Uh, I don't think that Karolenko is given enough to do as Camille. Like mm-hmm. she, she's able to exact revenge – at the end for the person who killed her family. Uh, right. that But for the yeah, most dictator part. Who? Yeah, the dictator. Correct. And who was going to take over Bolivia. Yeah. Uh, I think the plot is pretty stupid where it's.
1: Um, it's too complicated.
0: Well, it's complicated, but also it's dumb when you really break it down. Right. Uh, it's uh, he, the main villain or the, the dictator. Green. Well, the dictator wants to become the new ruler of Bolivia and Dominic Green wants to is helping
1: him by controlling the water. Okay, hold on. (laughs) It's more complicated than that. It is. To get to the water. It's like Dominic Green wants a patch of desert in exchange for helping this power hungry dictator come into power in Bolivia and... Initially, the CIA thinks that they want the desert for um, the oil, I think, or something. Yes. He doesn't want the patch of land for oil. They've been siphoning water, fresh water out of Bolivia. Yes. Into like these underground caverns. And so in stealing the fresh water, that's the country's most valuable resource that's in the IMDb synopsis.
0: Ah, awful. I I don't think this is a good movie, but... It
1: introduces this quantum, right? That organization that Dominic Green is part of. Except we'll find out that quantum is really... um, A subdivision. It's a subdivision of Spectre. Yes. And so that, in this... 2021, where I'm sitting now, it reminds me of um, S.H.I.E.L.D. as Hydra.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I see. Where
1: it's like all roads lead back to Hydra. And like, funny enough, the Hydra symbol looks very much like the Spectre symbol.
0: Yeah, it does. It looks like an octopus, pretty Except much. Except
1: Spectre probably came before, like 60s. Probably. I don't, kn- I I don't know if the exactly. comics had a rendition of the Hydra symbol in 1960s when... Specter was formed.
0: <laughs> That's a very good question. Uh I can definitely look that up, but uh I think that this is probably the forgotten Bond movie. Yes. From Craig, at least. From Craig. Because And I want to
1: forget it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not good. Uh, I I I don't blame you because I don't think it's well done because Most of it is not very interesting.
1: The one takeaway that I have is that at the end of the movie, he finds Vesper's longtime boyfriend, maybe fiance, I can't remember what it is. And he was partially responsible for her death because all that he does is seduce women with ins or or power or information and manipulates them using that information right and so instead of bond giving into his own um fear and loss and um vendetta revenge or whatever he doesn't kill the guy he gives the guy up to mi6 and he throws away vesper's necklace
0: yes it was like a keepsake for him and drops
1: it into the snow at the end of the movie and that's basically all that I take away from Quantum of Solace.
0: Yeah, it's it's the Vesper Line through line. It's the line.
1: Vesper Line that I take away. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I don't think there's really much to say about this movie other no. than that it's just that it's it, it's a ver- forgettable Bond song. It is a forgettable villain. It does introduce quantum, but at the same time, you don't really care about quantum until you figure out later in a different Mm -hmm. movie what the importance of quantum is. And they don't give the Bond girl enough to do. Plus... uh, And we know
1: Olga Kurlenko can like freaking bring it. Yeah, she can. She can.
0: Um, I I do know that in in this movie, Strawberry Fields, they do a slight homage to... Goldfinger in terms of the way they kill her and then cover her body in whatever substance that movie is dealing with. So like Uh, Goldfinger, like they killed, um, I forgot, I forgot her, but they then cover her in gold. Right. Mm -hmm. In this movie, oil was like what we thought was the main plot line. And it kind (laughs) of is. Uh, and so they kill strawberry fields and she is found in oil. It does, yeah. It does. So, just like a slight, you know, nod to the way, you know, the older movies portrayed it. Speaking of the uh, Spectre logo, uh, the Spectre logo first appeared in 1965 in Thunderball, in the movie Mm -hmm. Thunderball, Mm -hmm. and the creation of Shield or Hydra really uh, also came in 1965. (gasps) So they both came in the same year.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, what are so, the chances? What
0: are the chances? So it's kind of hard to say that one stole from the other pretty much. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think we let's are ready to move to on. get to the right?
1: best one.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So here we are jumping from 2008 to 2012, four years in between wow. these two movies. But it was well worth the wait. We are talking about Skyfall. So, Jessica. Yes. What is Skyfall about?
1: Oh my God! Okay, James Bond loyalty. James Bond's loyalty to M is tested when her past comes back to haunt her. When MI6 comes under attack, 007 must track down and destroy the threat, no matter how personal the cost. It's directed by Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes is a prestige director. He's directed 1917, Revolutionary Road, Jarhead, Road to Perdition, American Beauty. It was written by same guys as before Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and John Logan. And it stars Daniel Craig once again. It stars Judy Dench, Ralph Fiennes as M, and, and Gareth Mallory. And then it also stars Javier Bardem as Silva, Naomi Harris as Eve, Money Penny, yes. <laughs> and Ber- Bernice Marlowe as Severine, and Ben Whishaw as Q.
0: So we have a lot of introductions in this movie to characters that we are familiar with, but we had not seen yet in this iteration of Bond, like Moneypenny and Q. Yes, those those two two
1: have finally been recast in this new Bond series.
0: So the reception to this movie, very positive. Uh, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. 86% from audience, so a little bit less. Mm. Uh, I think there is a debate between this movie and Casino Royale as to Mm -hmm. which one is the better Craig movie. And film and Bond fans will argue between these two. But I think it's fair to say these two are the best of the Craig series.
1: 100%.
0: So the critics' consensus reads as follows. Sam Mendes brings Bond surging back with a smart, sexy, riveting action thriller that qualifies as one of the best 00 films to date. 007 films to date. Yes. All right. So before we continue, I forgot to do this yet again. Quantum Solace. What did you give that movie as a score? I think
1: I gave it two and a half or three stars.
0: I gave it a Two just because like it is so forgettable that I had to like look stuff up just to remember (laughs) it. So yes, now we're on Skyfall yet again. Let's start where we always been starting the Bond song.
1: Holy shit. I'm going to let
0: you go.
1: Okay. So Adele does the Skyfall song. I'm in love with it. Everything about it. It's so great. Um, I actually saw Adele many years ago on her last tour and she sang Skyfall and holy shit. It's phenomenal. It's life-changing. She did give a really long-winded story about how she came to sing the Bond song and initially she said no Mm. and then she thought about it again. She was like, um, hello, it's James Bond. So then she said yes. And when she was recording it um, and writing it, she was heavily pregnant, her own words. <laughs> and so one of the <laughs> side effects of her pregnancy was like a dropped larynx, which is why this song is so low. Yeah. It's pitched pretty low for her.
0: Not something that you would hear normally in her catalog. Something yes. in that low of a register. In the low
1: re- lower register. So, but I really kind of like that because it still sounds like Adele, but it's Different as well.
0: It does. And so I mentioned this in the last episode, the No Time to Die episode, that the Billie Eilish song, No Time to Die, is slow, but it does have an orchestral flair, but it doesn't build.
1: This one is big. It feels big. It feels like it needs that full orchestra. It feels like they're working the orchestra. Feels like Adele is the perfect voice for this song. You can't imagine someone else singing it, That's- and it really
0: builds when they bring in the drums
2: uh-huh. to
0: to fill out the orchestra oh to provide gosh. that momentum to get to the end of the song when she just belts out "And yes. Sky Fall." You know, yeah. I'm not gonna sing it. Why would I? <laughs> so I think that this is going to be a song that we talk about again later. When mm-hmm. we mention our favorite Bond songs, so I think so too. Let's talk about the movie. Okay. Uh, let's. All right. So.
1: So we have this intro sequence right before the opening credits, and and Adele's comes sweeping in. We have the motorcycle chase, on the rooftop, and the train fight. Yes. And we don't know it's Money Penny. No, we but don't. Money Penny is keeping up with Bond, and she shoots him by mistake.
0: Because M has given the order to take the shot on the villain that they were looking for. But she didn't have a clear shot. Yeah. So it she didn't said matter. so. Yeah. yeah. She told him, I don't have a clear shot. And he, she said, take it anyway. Mm-hmm. So she shoots Bond. And that's what leads to our opening sequence.
1: Yeah. I did like the digger. He uses a digger to like connect the train car to the rest of the train because he uncoupled the train. And then he jumps onto the train and immediately fixes his sleeves. That it's like is so classic James Such Gunn.
0: an image.
1: Oh, my God. When he
0: lands on that train and then adjusts himself and adjusts the suit. So oh good.
1: Oh, my God. So I good. love it. You'll love to see it.
0: you love to see it. <laughs> this movie has a lot of visual flair. Mm -hmm. I think this movie...
1: Because Roger Deakin is the DP.
0: Yes, Roger Deakins. (laughs) He is an amazing...
1: Amazing director of photography, amazing amazing. cinematographer. And I don't think we need to sit here and, you know, detail his filmography. But for film nerds, he's a major name, a major get for a franchise blockbuster film. For him Mm -hmm. to be the DP on it, it's just like... It blows our little minds.
0: (laughs) It really does. And like you see visual flares like when he's chasing in that in that skyscraper, this man, and it's at night and you see just like the 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 neon skyscraper. Yeah, the Macau skyscraper. And they're fighting in silhouette.
1: Oh, my God. With
0: the, you know, with the billboard lights behind them. And it is beautiful to look at. Yeah. Uh, Another one is when. He is entering Macau on the boat uh, to go to these, you know, casinos or whatever. Yes,
1: the lantern and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, just beautiful lighting throughout. Yeah. Uh, And, of course, you know, there's the titular Skyfall, which is his old family home. And just the way the action sequences shot there, the yeah. the house on fire, when, on
1: fire when Silva is Ugh. like
0: walking away from it, walking towards the church, like beautifully shot all the way around. So mm-hmm. shout out. Feast to, for the
1: eyes. Yeah.
0: Shout out to Deacons and to Mendez for, you know, directing the movie as well. So shout out to them. Let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's
1: talk about. OK, so before. He is cleared for duty. He has the whole um, word association scene Mm -hmm. and he has that training montage. Yes. I think that's super memorable.
0: (laughs) It is because he's not fit for duty.
1: He's not fit for duty. He's not 100.
0: Which I thought is where No Time to Die was going to go. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for people if you skipped our No Time to Die episode because in that in that movie there is a time lapse he's retired and then he comes back to action. I thought the movie was going to do something similar to the way yeah. Skyfall handled it. Uh, and I love the way it handles it in Skyfall. This is a man who has a lot of trauma and a lot mm. of like you know like just buried emotion and a lot of things that need to get out and it's manifesting itself. In his physical well being, in his mental well being. And we see a man who should not be working at MI6. Yes. Sex. Yes. But M has faith in him. M has faith that. He's a
1: favorite.
0: He's a favorite of hers. So.
1: Yeah. Now. But the word association scene where they introduce Skyfall. Yes. And he is actually quite funny in this scene. You know, he says, the guy says, um, you know, if I say day, you'll say. And then he says, wasted. <laughs> and he goes, OK, how about M? He says, bitch.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so he's very cheeky in this yeah. moment. You know, he's got nothing else, basically, except for this small bit of humor. Yeah. And then they get to Skyfall. And he gets up and leaves.
0: Which is a very powerful thing. So you're like, what the thing? hell like, is, what Skyfall? is Skyfall?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think now is a good time to bring up the big thing of this movie, and it's the villain.
1: No, no, it's no? not a good not time. Yet. No, we have okay. to talk about Q. Okay, let's talk about Q. Because so far we've seen Q as just an old man. Yeah. Then Q was replaced by John Cleese, another old man. Yes. So now we have a young Q with Ben Wishaw,
0: which makes sense. And I man.
1: absolutely love that the movie's theme is old school versus new school. Yes, he says. Um, Q says, "I can do more in one morning from my computer than you can do in the field in a year."
0: <laughs> Just showing the the how far. Basically, intelligence has gone in Mm -hmm. technology that Mm -hmm. so much can be achieved sitting behind a keyboard versus being out there trying to interrogate villains and trying to, you know, you know, forcefully try to get information. Mm -hmm. And it also shows where everything is going. Everything is going the technological route,
1: you understand innately from their conversation that technology will be the chink in the MI6 armor.
0: Yes. Because, because it's Q presented like
1: it. infallible. Right. You know, all that Q concedes is that sometimes you need someone to pull the trigger, which is exactly. where Bond comes in.
0: Yeah, that's where Bond comes in. And it's refreshing to see someone young who you can see that dynamic of old and new.
1: Yeah. Old is. Bond, of course. Of course, he's old school, and then Q represents new school. Yeah, I love it. The future. Yeah, it's it's great. The future,
0: and the fact Um, that it's someone young who understands how to make new technological things mm -hmm. instead of you know like an old man like handing someone younger than him here's the new latest technology. You know. Yeah,
1: it feels kind of fitting. You know. Yes, it does to have Q finally be replaced by someone younger. It, Someone we, with potential, you know.
0: Now, in what we're talking about replacing, we also are introduced to Ralph Fiennes' character of Gareth Mallory, who yes. he is from British intelligence. He's from like their secret organization, but I he's can't remember what his title
1: is. But he is trying to force M out
0: exactly,
2: and, and that's
1: another dynamic at play where the powers that be feel that MI six and the Double program is outdated. old school (laughs) yeah to use a a phrase that we just used um and so mi6 towards the end of the movie is trying to defend itself against these attacks like you let this giant list of operatives get into the wrong hands why should we trust you to get the job done your methods are not working
0: right and so they feel that M, who is the head of the organization, is help, should be held responsible. Should be held responsible and should be forced into retirement. Exactly. So we get into like court hearings and stuff later on but in the movie. I, but I
1: just want to say that I like the overall themes of this movie. It yeah. feels very um, inspired.
0: Yes, it does. I think having everything questioned.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So whether it's the technology that's being used, whether you're out of date with your technology, or whether your methods are no longer relevant in this Mm -hmm. new world that we're in, I like that it's all questioned. Like, is James Bond suitable for the type of intelligence that we need to acquire in this world that we live in today? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is M suitable to lead this organization that we feel is antiquated? Yeah. So questions about what we have been so used to all these years watching Mm -hmm. and it presents itself in a very interesting way.
1: It's like James Bond and MI6 are on trial. Pretty much. They are. But um, there's still enough of the old school James Bond in here as well. Like in the Macau casino fight, he steps on a Komodo dragon to get out of the pit. Yeah, screams like Roger Moore stepping on a crocodile to get off like a tiny spit of land.
0: Pretty much. Yeah, it's,
1: you know, classic James Bond stuff. Um, Another thing that's classic James Bond is sleeping with someone when they shouldn't. And the Bond girl in this movie, um, Bernice Marlowe, plays Severine. She is a sex slave trade survivor. Yes. And Bond deduces that himself. He says this tattoo you have is from whatever and you know how did you mu- he must have been your ticket out the villain that is unseen at this point must have been your ticket out and later on on her yacht he still decides to surprise her in the shower from behind and has sex with her
2: Yeah, after she
1: just seems so traumatized by the man that she's with now and also her own sordid past. Exactly. It just not <laughs> didn't... Not great. Not great. Again, not a good it, decision it, by
0: Bond. It's actually a very good way of kind of looking at Bond in a more judgmental way because of the fact previous to this, regardless of how we view as an audience Bond, for the most part, the movies treat Bond with women in a fun way. Like I I put quotation marks. So he's always seen as like, oh, he's able to uh, attract the girl and then, you know, go to bed with them. And, you, oh, they're caught by other people. And it's a laugh and all this stuff. Right.
1: He's a Casanova. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's always viewed in like a fun spirit type of thing. Uh, but with the Bond movies he has an emotional connection with Vesper. He is trying to kill that off in Quantum. And then in this movie, when he does go after the Bond girl, it's viewed in a dark way because we learned her past. Mm -hmm. We learned that she has been a victim of sexual abuse and being part of a slave sex trade. And the fact that he just decides, you know what, I'm just going to, Not even really seduce her. Like, it's more like, I'm just going to surprise her and we're going to have sex. (laughs) Yeah. So it's more like, why would you be doing this, James? Yeah. You know, so like calling into question his judgment Mm -hmm. on why he's doing this uh, to this woman.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now we can talk about Javier Bardem.
0: Yes, we can. He plays Silva.
1: I think we'll stay here For the rest of the episode
0: <laughs> Yeah it, Okay
1: Oh, sorry For the rest of our Skyfall talk
0: <laughs> Yes Exactly So Silva plays A former MI6 agent Who M is very familiar with One of M's favorite operatives Supposedly uh, Who was pretty much Betrayed by his own country When he was left To be tortured uh, For information Back in the day so now he has a personal yeah. vendetta, not M only against. M gave him up. Yeah.
1: In exchange for other captured agents or something like that. Exactly. And he had gone bad, like slightly bad. Yes. As well, so she was like, "Okay, well, he's a dirty agent, so." So she just him let him so. go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the pass comes back to haunt M. Mm-hmm. Because he comes back as a vendetta, not against not only against M, but against MI6. Yes. And so we meet. And him he's a particular threat
1: because he knows them. He's one of them.
0: Yes, he knows them so well. And so he knows all of their operations, how things go
1: protocol, emergency situations, exactly. how they're going to react. And it's, he plays it up. He's one step ahead of Bond the entire movie.
0: In this particular moment, especially when he is captured. And he's sitting inside the cell and he's in the MI6 organization. Like he's at a headquarters. And the fact that basically Q realizes he wanted to be caught, Very similar to like the way in the Dark Knight, the Joker. Yes. Like wanted to we be caught.
1: We are at this point living in a post-Dark Knight world. Yes. It's 2012.
0: Four years later.
1: And it's got that same sort of vibe. Darkness is cool. Darkness is in. Yeah. And I think Joker really had a a giant influence on this Silva character.
0: Oh, yeah, it did. Oh, for sure. He's a
1: villain that is one step ahead of the hero,
0: eccentric. Yeah. um, But also just brutal when he has to be
1: brutal. Um, Javier Bardem's introduction into the movie. Where it's that wonder of him walking down the hallway toward Bonn and giving this intense island rat story. Yeah. That his grandmother used to own this island, and the island got infested with rats, and they had to f- find a way to get rid of the rats. It was just so menacing and devious, and I absolutely adore that monologue.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's. A, I could it's watch a that man.
1: scene on any day of the week.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Bardem
1: coming down. He comes into focus. You see what he looks like. And he does that rat noise. uh, He does that? Yeah, he
2: does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, what do I make of it?
0: And then also in that scene, because Bond is sitting captured, he kind of messes with James Bond psychologically with sexual in you okay. know, by like touching so that's, his that's, thigh and oh like my
1: gosh so testing he, him
0: almost as he well He
1: starts caressing Bond yes and it's super cringeworthy but Bond does what he does in Casino Royale and he flips it and he says what makes you think this is my first time yeah And Javier Bardem's like, oh, (laughs) you're like, he's so naughty. (laughs) Like he plays it up and it's so unexpected of Bond and it's so unexpected of Javier Bardem to be doing what he's doing. You've not seen a homosexual or homoerotic um, undertones or overtones in James Bond before.
0: No, you haven't. So
1: So this is groundbreaking as well to even have this kind of villain. And the way that they make Javier Bardem the clear other side of the coin for James Bond exactly. It is just so rich. The juxtaposition between this unsettling mirror of James Bond and what's unsettling also is that Javier Bardem is actually telling him the truth about himself. He, he tells him he failed his physical, he failed his psychological exam. He was not cleared for the field. M on the other hand, blatantly lied to him. So why should Bond trust her? She's yes. a liar.
0: So it's you know? not only putting into question the methods of MI6 and M, but it's also making Bond question M herself. The
1: relationship he has with M. Yes. You know, she seems to be, and the movie sets this up, she seems to be this twisted mother figure for both of these men. She is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they, they rely so much on her. For reassurance and for yeah. uh, a place in this world. Mm-hmm. And so Bond has that with her because he is still employed and still has M's you know, recommendation as opposed to Silva who was abandoned by M. Mm-hmm. So you see what happens when, when one thing changes for a certain person who has similar uh, approaches to life, to their work. Mm -hmm. What one thing could happen and how it deviates the two roads. Right. So, yeah, this this villain is menacing.
1: It's menacing. And we've already seen M betray Bond at the beginning of the movie with her saying, go ahead and take the shot.
0: Just take the shot.
1: And he gets shot.
0: Yeah. So it's tough. It makes him question if M really does have his back, if Mm -hmm. M actually cares about him at all. Yeah. All right. So
1: the tube chase out of MI6 oof. all the way to Parliament. Amazing. So good. So good. So damn good.
0: Man, it is <laughs> fantastic. The way that train comes through the underground
2: oh and my almost
0: kills Bond. Yes. oh, so, oh d- so many of these action sequences and so many of these like just moments are so, so well done throughout. And
1: memorable. Like I and remember me- that like train coming through the wall and it's just so good.
0: I remember uh, Bond running down the streets of London trying to get to parliament, yeah. you know, to <laughs> stop the assassination attempt by Silva, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know? So all of that is memorable. Um, I think. Yeah. I like how
1: Bond shoots, a, scoots a gun to Moneypenny and she fires up to in the parliament shootout.
0: Yeah. 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 Like yeah. it
1: gives other play, other people a chance to play.
0: Yeah it gives them moments mm-hmm.
1: to be able and to And you don't know it's Money themselves. Penny too, which is a great reveal at the end of the movie is that she's Eve Money Penny.
0: Right, exactly. So, a very well done Money Penny
1: kicking ass. We don't revolutionary.
0: We don't get a lot of that at all. No. So uh, I think we could spend so much time on this movie, but I think I'm going to go ahead and tell us to to wrap up. Let's go to the end of this movie. All right. The final uh sequence is at skyfall which is james bond's home Mm
2: -hmm.
0: it is just an abandoned home in scotland yes and they booby trap the hell out of it and make uh silva get there with his henchmen they lead him there Mm -hmm. so they booby trap the house and there's an entire like old school shootout where like they're stepping on these man-made like bombs Made out of shell casing and
1: stuff. They go up against him with two guns, some explosives, and a knife. Yes. Yes. And you're just like, okay, how are we going to home alone this? (laughs) Um, It is home alone. It really, I think it works. I think it works that, you know, you have this tortured bond that has some sort of history with Skyfall itself, as you noticed previously during that psychological exam. And by the end of this whole thing, Skyfall is blown to shit. Yes.
0: Yes. It is blown up.
1: And it is just such a symbol, you know, for Bond and his psyche that he's like, well, fuck it. And like just he has no no attachment to Skyfall anymore. It means nothing to him anymore. It's just a source of pain. And he'd rather just implode it.
0: Yeah. There's nothing left for him. In no, the past. no.
1: Exactly. Not. He's not here to hang on to the past.
0: Exactly. He's not. Which is a
1: much better metaphor than... The quantum, I think.
0: Yeah, because him dropping the necklace in quantum.
1: Is Which we not- already established that the necklace wasn't really hers. It was given to her by that dude. Right. So. But
0: know. here, letting go of his own past, what made mm-hmm. him who he is. Exactly. That's something different. Yeah. And it's so well done. And then the mo- like we get the moment here at the end where. They go to the old church mm-hmm. after they've blown Skyfall up. And Silva is just wanting M to kill the both of them together. Mm-hmm. So, like, he holds his head right next to hers
2: mm-hmm. and is
0: telling her to pull the trigger and to kill them both. And at this point, M is has suffered, you know, a devastating wound. Yeah. So sh- she's not holding up well. But... James saves, for momentarily what we believe, uh, saves M by killing Silva.
1: He stabs him in the back.
0: <laughs> well, he throws a knife at his back, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, so he's able to kill Silva, but M still dies from the wounds mm-hmm. that she has suffered. So we no longer have M in the picture anymore. You
1: almost feel like it's uh, she's paying for her sins.
0: Yeah, for what she created
1: her mistakes yeah
0: yeah for for everything that she's done with Silva
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think Silva is such an incredible villain mm-hmm. and it's crazy that Javier Bardem has played two of the most memorable villains of this century from 2000 on like because he oh, played Silva country. and no country yeah yeah like Two of the most famous villains that we have seen in movies in the past 21 years now, two of them have been played by Javier Bardem. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: a very well done.
1: Um, I appreciate that the classic image of Bond walking into frame from The Barrel of a Gun is at the end of the movie. And yeah, it's not at the beginning. It's, the the at,
0: the beginning. it's mm-hmm. at the end. Very well done. It's such
1: a, it, everything seems so intentional and well thought through, Yes, you know? You have the new M coming in and he's like, are you ready to get to work? And he's like, yeah, let's go. And let's then boom. It. And you just have him again walking into frame and you're like, oh, I know this.
0: <laughs> what did you rate Skyfall?
1: I rated it four out of five, but four it could easily be four and a half. For five. me,
0: it's a four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think this movie is just dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. I really love it. So I
1: do have a fun fact about Daniel Craig's suits.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Because
1: Daniel Craig looks amazing in suits, right? Yeah,
0: he does. Of course.
1: Throughout the James Bond franchise. And I think that what's important to note is that these suits are all specifically tailored for what he's doing physically. So if he's on a motorcycle, it's cut differently for sitting and moving on a motorcycle. And if he's fighting hand to hand, it's got more room for him to move. So on and so forth. So this is not it's not like a one size fits all suit. Which is why he looks so good doing whatever he's doing.
0: Right. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I I figured it had to be tailored in a certain way. I didn't think it's a different suit for the different mechanic that he's doing.
1: It it is. Interesting.
0: (laughs) That's pretty cool. I, I like that. So let's go ahead and let's jump three years and let's get to the movie Spectre. Let's do it. So this movie, a cryptic message from James Bond's past sends him on a trail to uncover the existence of a sinister organization named Spectre. Ha ha. Uh-huh. With a new threat dawning, Bond learns the terrible truth about the author of all his pain in his most recent missions.
2: Yes.
0: So this movie is directed by Sam Mendes again. It's written by the same writers, Neil Purvis, John Logan, and Robert Wade. Daniel Craig is back as Bond. He is uh, returning yet again with... Ralph Fiennes as M, Ben Wishaw as Q, Naomi Harris as Money Penny, Jeffrey Wright as Felix Later. And joining the cast for this movie, we have Leia Seydoux as Madeline. We have Dave Bautista as Mr. Hinks. Monica Bellucci as Lucia. And finally Christoph Waltz as Blofeld.
1: The new Blofeld.
0: Yes, he is. Now How did critics and audiences receive Spectre?
1: It's currently sitting at a 63% Rotten Tomatoes score with a 61% audience score, which is pretty low. Um, The critics' consensus reads, Spectre nudges Daniel Craig's rebooted Bond closer to the glorious action-driven spectacle of earlier entries, although it's admittedly reliant on established 007 formula.
0: So, okay, so this is one movie that I arrived to later. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) By later,
0: I mean, like, I didn't watch it at all when it came out. And I didn't, I basically didn't watch it until just recently, Mm -hmm. as we were preparing for No Time to Die. Uh, Coming out of it, I thought the movie is okay, but slightly bloated. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a little too much trying to happen,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: they're trying too much to tie in old uh, loops from prior movies to connect yeah. here. So I I didn't appreciate that that much. Um, I think that on paper Christoph Waltz as Blofeld makes sense. Yes, but in action, he he leaves a little bit to be desired.
1: I agree, especially after coming off of seeing the other Blofelds. I think the other Blofelds, at least two of them are better than Christoph Waltz.
0: Yeah, they are. I agree.
1: And I will say that the fact that they're trying to tie in Vesper's killing and... Quantum. All of... I don't even mind that they're trying to tie in Quantum to Spectre, but... The fact that Christoph Waltz is like a stepbrother or like a foster brother. Oh, that was ridiculous. To James Bond. He was taken in by Blofeld's family after he was orphaned. And Blofeld was jealous of Bond. And so he decided to ruin his life. <laughs> and all of the tragedy that's happened to Bond is a result of Blofeld's influence and direct hand on it. Bullshit! I hated all of that.
0: Yeah, it's not a very good movie throughout. And then, uh, uh we have like this separate side plot of a different British organization who's trying to basically shut down the MI six, trying uh, to
1: shut down the Double O program in MI six and combine MI six with MI five, and trying to put basically British intelligence under one or one nine eyes like intelligence. Nine eyes, yeah. And of course, Spectre is all over Nine Eyes and basically would get a heads up anytime there was an operative or some sort of mission going on. They would use that intelligence to their advantage. And this they'd be one step ahead. This of
0: kind of MES. feels like the Hydra shield thing we exactly. were kind of talking about. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Hydra is secretly inside of S.H.I.E.L.D., where in this movie, Spectre is inside of Nine Eye, which is the British intelligence. Yeah, this movie... Hated it. I hated this one. Yeah, this movie's not very good. Um, no. I think the... only the, thing that
1: excited me, personally, was that at the end of the movie, he gets left without an eye, and then that is how Blofeld looks in the previous iterations. He's got an eye patch. hmm So it's... I just... That's the only thing that I was like, oh.
0: You mentioned something about the Day of the Dead to me.
1: The Day of the Dead Parade sequence yes. in the introduction. I thought that was super memorable. Yes, it is. And fun fact, that Day of the Dead Parade in Mexico did not exist before they filmed it. But they did such a good job. It was so cool that the city in Mexico was like, oh, my God, we should just do a Day of the Dead Parade. And now they have the Day of the Dead Parade that looks identical to the one inspector. Spectre. They just copied it from the movie, it's from the movie. That's why they're doing a Day of the Dead braid now,
0: exactly. I, I love that, I love it too. Um, life
1: imitates art,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only thing though that yeah. really stands out in this movie. Um, we
1: do get Leia Sado intro, but yep. again, she's not the best spawn girl, I don't think.
0: No, because um, like we had this discussion on No Time to Die. I personally feel that she is just damsel in distress, and from the movies with Daniel Craig, at least some of them, the some of the women or almost all of them take command in some way or have some type of agency. The mm-hmm. only ones that don't are Bernice, uh, Marlowe's character, uh, Severine in Skyfall,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and then no, not Skyfall. Yes. Yeah, Sky yeah. Skyfall. Severine okay. and Skyfall. <clears throat> she doesn't have any agency over what gets to happen to her, what she has to do in that movie. Uh and Leia Seydoux kind of barely. Uh but other than that every every other character like even Vesper who again, another through line. Vesper is the emotional attachment bond. She's the one that opened up his heart. Pretty much like
1: but she also saved his life.
0: But also saved his life.
1: Because she promised that she would get the money or the code or whatever to them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even even in quantum, uh Karolenko, Olga Karolenko gets to kill the people who killed her family.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: she is able to revenge. She's like revenge. a domino. Yeah. Yeah. I you know yeah, Thunderball
1: slash never, say ah, yeah, never. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. So, but in this movie, Leia Sadu doesn't get too much to do of her own agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, great actress, like I mentioned on No Time to Die, but uh, at the end, not as memorable as other Bond girls. So, anything else you want to say about Spectre? Because neither one no. of us liked this movie. No,
1: no, no. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> All right. So, No Time to Die. How Do you want to, like... Briefly discuss it because we already did an episode on it. We just did
1: an episode on it, but I think we should go over the broad strokes again. So, um, I have to be synopsis, but James Bond has loved active service. His piece is short lived when Felix later, an old friend from the CIA turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga and written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, familiar names. Plus, director Kerry Joji Fukunaga and Phoebe Waller Bridge assisting as well. We have Daniel Craig back, Leia Sado back, Ralph Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, Corey Kinnear, Jeffrey Wright all back, Naomi Christoph Harris. Waltz, Naomi Harris as Money Penny back again, Christoph Waltz back as Blofeld. Newcomers we have Ana de Armas as Paloma, Rami Malik as Lucifer Saffin. Lashana Lynch's Know Me. <laughs> Don't laugh. Billy Magnus as Logan Ash. And uh, music by Hans Zimmer.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, the Bond Song is by Billie Eilish. It is the title of the movie No Time to Die. Uh, oh my
1: god, we didn't talk about the Bond Song Inspector. Spectre.
0: Yeah, that, I think that says a lot.
1: Uh, we'll just say that the Bond Song for Spectre is by Sam Smith, Writings on the Wall. It's decent, but again... Seems to be pretty forgettable,
0: and it just came off the heels of Skyfall, so anything yes, so was going to be. It, like it was ma- had
1: a had a difficult job.
0: <laughs> it really did. And also, one more thing about Spectre: what did you give the movie as a score?
1: I think I gave it a three.
0: You gave it a three. I gave it a two and a half.
1: Yeah, I I would probably give it a two and a half.
0: <laughs> gotcha. All right, just wanted to uh put a you know a bow on that and. Our thoughts, for the most part, I think we can say about No No Time Time to to Die, die, which has an 84% critic score, 88% audience score. We enjoyed a lot of aspects of the movie. There were some choices that we questioned as to why they did it. Um, I think that we both feel it's somewhat of a satisfying ending to Daniel Craig's version of Bond, and... Uh, we did also have questions as where Bond would go from there, but th- if you want to really hear our thoughts on No Time to Die, go ahead and listen to that episode on your podcast feed. Just scroll back one episode, you'll see it right there, and you can listen to the full thoughts on No Time to Die. We're not. We gonna- didn't like
1: the villain, and that's
0: it. Yeah, pretty much. We didn't like the villain. All right, so let's. We're on
1: to the last part of this yeah so we're done with daniel
0: craig but we're not done with bond quite yet what we're going to do now is we're going to hand out some superlatives from the entire run of james bond so we got a few categories that we're going to run through and we do have a question that i i asked jessica to come up with a response maybe two or three and i'll see who she came up with but before we get to that, let's start with, I think a good way to start this off is the movies can be very silly, yes. right? And one of the things that make it silly is some of the names that are given to some of the characters. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about or mention what are some of the worst names that are in <laughs> this particular franchise? So, go ahead and give me one, or give me all of them if you want.
1: Okay, I got Christmas Jones. That I considered that one. Xenia on a top.
0: That is one of the ones I have.
1: Goldeneye. Octopussy.
0: I don't have Octopussy, but I have something very similar.
1: Okay, number one is Pussy Galore from Goldfinger. That
0: one is on my list as well. (laughs) Uh, Those are just ridiculous names. The other name that I have is Honey Rider.
1: Honey, Rider Yeah.
0: Uh, these are just so silly. Tiffany names.
1: Case, Diamonds Are Forever.
0: Uh, Doctor Goodhead. Um, <laughs> don't forget that.
1: What about Good Night? Good Night from the Man with the Golden Gun.
0: That is true. Uh, yeah, there are some very. If pussy interesting... galore
1: takes the cake, though.
0: Yeah, pussy galore is. Pussy just... galore is the worst. Oof, what a name! What a name! <laughs> so those are some of the worst names. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about, because obviously those are memorable things. What about some of the most memorable Bond girls? It doesn't necessarily have to be memorable for a good reason, but memorable nonetheless. What are okay. some Bond girls that you think are memorable in a good or bad way?
1: I think Halle Berry in mm. a bad way.
0: In a bad <laughs> way. Okay. For Die Another Day. Is it because of the dialogue? Or is it the just... The
1: dialogue, for sure. And then okay. also her really iconic walk out of the beach.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that is pretty memorable.
1: I think my most memorable Bond girl has to be Vesper Lind. It is. That's mine.
0: I honestly think she's the best Bond girl.
1: Me too. Uh,
0: okay, so we're both in in agreement <laughs> with that. Um, I, I did want to throw a shout out to, at least for me, she's very memorable, is Melina from For yes. Your Eyes Only.
1: Melina's great. I think in the grand scheme of things, she kind of gets lost. But Melina's underrated.
0: Yes, she is underrated. She she has her own backstory. She has uh, an actual driving force for her own character. She stands toe to toe with James Bond. Uh, And this is early on. This is during the Roger Moore run. Mm -hmm. And I find her to be very memorable. So shout out to Melina. And one more time, uh, Xenia on the top because it's just ridiculous. Just a ridiculous <laughs> character. And what she can do, it's yes, over the yeah. top. All Her right.
1: superpower is stupid.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. All right, let's talk about, so Bond girls obviously are something that you really see in every Bond movie. But who is Bond without a villain? So yeah. let's talk about our favorite villains. Mine Who are some of your favorite villains.
1: Okay, so I'll go from the bottom up. So, me too. I included Henchmen as well.
0: Yeah, so did I. I so only I have, have one, but.
1: Oh, okay. I have Benito de Toro in License to Kill. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> I have. A really have, nice
0: honeymoon.
1: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I have Mads Mickelson as Le Le Chief in Casino yes. Royale. Xenia on a top from Goldeneye. Uh, Jaws from The Spy Who Loved Me and Movie. Jaws is on my list. The top two for me is Christopher Lee. Okay, so
0: he is on my list as well.
1: Okay, Christopher Lee is Scaramanga. Really quick, I
0: I wanted to mention um, on my list, towards the bottom, because I think we may have the same number one. Um, Jaws is on my list. So is Scaramanga, Man with a Golden Gun. Uh, Alex uh, Trevelyan. who is the Double O who uh, goes rogue? Sean Bean. And, Sean Bean, pretty much.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Jaws, uh, Ernst Blofeld. I know he has many yeah, iterations, but, yeah. but like I figure he should be at least mentioned because he does have a pivotal role throughout. He's the got series. what, like four? Like
1: four, movies,
0: appearances, four appearances, I think. Yeah. I believe. Uh, but I think we may have the same number one. It's Javier Bardem. It's Javier Bardem as Silva. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That is the best villain that this series has seen. So we're both on the same track there.
2: Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, We got three more categories left. Let's do our favorite Bond songs. Okay. This this is going to be fun.
1: We're going to be so separate on this. I know. All right.
0: So we'll go one by one, starting at number five, moving up. So what is your number five?
1: My number five is Live and Let Die.
0: Live and Let Die.
1: Paul McCartney in the Wings. So great. Or, uh, oh, they, do you want to do five? Yeah, yeah, number I'll five. do
0: my number five. Okay, we'll go. take turns here. Um, yeah, Paul McCartney obviously is great. Did not end up making my list at the end. Hmm. My number five is the one that we argued about earlier on this episode. No. You Know My Name no. by Chris Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. Yes, it is number Ooh. five for me. I think that is a well-done song. I, it's a very enjoyable song. I love Ooh, his rude. voice on it. So that is my number five. So you're number four, Jessica.
1: It is No Time to Die.
0: No Time I to Die, die. made your top five. Yeah, made it, yeah. I considered it. It didn't quite make it, but I do enjoy it. I think yeah. that her vocals are very well done, but we already discussed, at least for me, why it didn't get, to where I wanted it to go. Yeah, which, sure. But still a very good song. <laughs> yeah. Very well done. Number four for me is the song The World Is Not Enough by Garbage.
1: Oh, come on. Yes. Come on. Yes,
0: I think this is You a,
1: have a Pierce Brosnan song on a here. A Pierce
0: Brosnan song is on there. You're. I know you're surprised, but I think it's a very well done song. I, I love the way it is sung- I love the way that the harmony melody run through on that song. I do like that it's a little bit rock, so it's a little more up-tempo. Slightly, slightly. Um, hey, at least I didn't say Die Another Day by Madonna. Okay? That, that one's terrible.
1: The worst. Okay. Right. My number three, Goldfinger, Shirley Bassey.
2: Goldfinger He's the man the man with a Midas touch, a spider's
0: touch. Goldfinger. Goldfinger is memorable. Goldfinger. For, yes. Finger.
2: Midas <laughs> touch.
0: Yeah. So very memorable uh, by Shirley Bassey. I do have a Shirley Bassey song on my list, but okay. it is not Goldfinger.
2: All right. uh,
0: but we'll get to that in a second. What's my number three? three is Mr. Tom Jones, Thunderball. Oh, I love
2: it.
1: This was so close to entering my list.
0: I think it, it, it speaks to the timelessness that you and I like about a lot of these songs mm-hmm. that you could just put them on and they feel like they're not tied to the era, but they are tied to Bond himself.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And I just love the way he sings in that song. Mm-hmm. It's a very well the done. The final
1: note is just like, oh. Yeah, I see you, Tom. there
0: it is. Look, Tom <laughs> Jones. All right, number two, Jessica.
1: I have diamonds are forever. Diamonds
2: are forever. They are all I need to please me. They can stimulate and tease me. They won't leave in the night. I've no fear that they might desert me. Diamonds are forever.
0: So do, do I. Oh diamonds God. Are Forever is an incredible Captain. song. I know. I love especially the opening notes before she starts singing. Yeah. There's a mystery to that song behind it. And just the way she talks about diamonds. Uh-huh. They won't leave in the night and all this. I know. Oh, so she compares well them good. to men. Oh, it's so good. Such a well done song. So you yeah. and I have the same number two. I think we have the same number one I as I think well. so too. <laughs> what is your I number have, one?
1: I have Skyfall by of, Adele. Of course.
0: Of course. <laughs> of course. Why would it be any other song? Let's go. I think that you and I truly, truly love um, Adele in this song. Mm -hmm. I think that she is just killing this song throughout. And for the most part, I really think that nothing has come close to to this song when it comes to Bond songs.
1: I think so, too.
0: I really enjoy the song. So Skyfall, number one. I'm surprised we have the same number, too. I'll, I'm going to be honest. Uh, so. It's
1: because I've developed my Bond playlist and I've been listening to all these songs. So I've kind of refined my, ah, my okay. list here. Yeah. All right.
0: So let's go ahead. Uh, we've been talking about Bonds so much that I think it's only right that we rank our Bonds Yeah. from worst to best. OK. So who in your eyes, is the, you know, worst Bond. Brosnan. Brosnan. Uh, I went with Lazenby. And the reason why (laughs) is because he only got one movie. Yeah. And I didn't feel that strongly about his performance one way or the other. Mm. So it didn't really stand out to me. Uh, So... He is my worst Bond. He's number six. Your number six is Brosnan. Brosnan. He's actually my number five. So he's right above um, Lazenby.
1: I would say Lazenby is my five.
0: Okay. So you and I are just, you know, back and forth on those two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think when it comes to Brosnan, I think there's too much of the like over the top silliness in which he delivers lines. I think that
1: I don't like his vibe.
0: Yeah, you you definitely complain about his vibe, about him feeling kind of like creepy and icky, which I totally get. Yeah, he does kind of feel that way at times. Uh, So who is your number four then? Roger Moore. Roger Moore is also my number four. Yeah. So I think it leans more into the silliness as well a little too much mm-hmm. um he is a casanova and very quick with I the puns. I just think also
1: he looks old throughout the whole thing
0: especially towards like the second half of his run
1: yeah
0: he is clearly It's like a
1: viejo running an around and having man. sex yeah,
0: yeah he's in his late 50s by the time he's done as Bond So yeah so uh, stuff like that for sure leans into it who is your number three? I think we have the same order.
1: It's Dalton for me. Dalton, yeah. Is my three.
0: Dalton's number and three. And you as well. Yeah. Okay, what's your two? For me, it's Connery.
1: Oh my God. So it's it's mine too.
0: Oh, so we have the same order.
1: We, yeah, except for Lazenby and and,
0: and Brosnan. Brosnan. Yeah. Okay, so then, all right. So real quick, Dalton, I think, is was ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. I do like that he brings a slightly more serious take on the role.
1: Yeah, I like the intensity from Dalton.
0: I do too. Um, when it comes to Connery, Connery is just, if he feels like the character,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like, like
1: he is Bond.
0: He is Bond when you, when you say James Bond and immediately in your head you think Sean Connery's image is mm-hmm. the first one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. With that said, though... I think the performance by Craig is what really puts him over the top. Yeah. For for me at least. He
1: seems to have more chops than Connery.
0: Yeah. Connery when it comes to Bond, I guess. Right. I mean Connery is fun. Prolific. Connery is a an great, original. Yes, he's an original. He made he molded that character as his mm-hmm. own. He yeah. was the first one.
1: He became the measuring stick.
0: Yeah. So everybody has to be measured against him. But I think Craig not only holds his own but surpasses
1: Connery mm-hmm.
0: yeah. in, in that. So I'm gonna miss Daniel Craig for sure.
1: So am I. But I do want him to have a good rest.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's time for him. He to seems kind of
1: mad about it. So I yeah, mean.
0: like there was. Uh, he recently did a interview. I can't remember the company, a magazine company, but on YouTube. And so they were asking him a bunch of questions about Bond, and so he had him on like these cute, uh, like these note cards. And after each question, he would just throw the note card <laughs> in the air because they were all Bond questions. And he's just like rapid fire answering the questions, getting it over with because he was ready to be done with.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Uh, so yeah, so why obviously, did they even
1: put him on the promotional tour?
0: I don't know. Like he I didn't like need he's to promote terrible. it.
1: He doesn't need to do it.
0: He doesn't. He doesn't. All right. We're down to our last category. We have talked about 25 official movies, 26, with the Never Say Never Again. So it is time to talk about and rank our five favorite James Bond movies. Okay. So we'll go one by one, starting with number five, going up to one. What is your number five? Dr. No. Ah, okay. So you you definitely have a Connery on there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're not going to be alone. I'll talk about that later. Dr. No, is it because it's the original or is it because more than that reason?
1: No, I think it's because it's original. I think Connery is the coolest in Dr. No, probably. Maybe Goldfinger is another one that he's super cool in. But I like that the movie seems really well formed. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the first movie.
0: Gotcha. Fair enough. Uh,
1: Decent villain. And uh, again, Connery is just firing on all the cylinders. And he is going off of nothing. It's himself.
0: (laughs) And it's a very memorable opening entrance for that character. Yeah. Playing the poker. Not showing his face for a while. Oh my gosh, yeah. Very well done. All right. My number five. And I know you're not going to like this. My number five. Because... I, I, okay, how do I say this? Oh, my God. Because I wanted to kind of at least include one movie from the different Bonds. I'm not saying I had to, but I think that some of them merit it. There's only one from the Brosnans that merits it. It's at my number five, and that's Goldeneye.
2: Yeah,
0: it's Goldeneye. I think Goldeneye, before the Brosnan movies really, like, Tank, D- tank, and we're not talking about the tank scene in the movie. I mean, it just <laughs> tanks. I think there's enough in the movie that Brosnan is doing enough as the Bond character to try to make it his own. I do like that he is called out at, on his behavior as like that sexist character by M. Um,
1: I think but, M really elevates that one.
0: Yeah, M does. Uh, Dame Judi Dench coming in to give it a little spice in the series. Again, we've mentioned her multiple times, but Zenia on the top is a memorable character. Um, not a bad villain either, just because like with the way Bond always uses sex to allure his conquests, she uses it the same way
2: mm-hmm. in Ooh. in her
0: own fashion. Uh huh. So. And then, of course, I I had him in my top villains, Alex uh, Trevelyan,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: the former double O who turns. I thought he's a pretty good villain. So that is why Goldeneye is number five for me.
1: All right. Four.
0: What is your number four? Thunderball. Thunderball. Nice. Thunderball. Yeah. So you have two Connery movies.
1: I do have two Connery movies.
0: Well, at least two so far. Um. <laughs> Okay, so Thunderball. Is there a specific uh, reason why Thunderball is on your list, at
2: number? Four? I like
1: Domino. I feel like mm-hmm. the story is pretty good, and it kind of sticks around because they do a loose remake with, um, you know, Never Say Never Again. So it's good enough where they can improve upon it with that movie.
0: Got it. Okay, very and good. The song is so great. Oh yeah, Thunderball is fantastic. Yeah. It was on my list. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Great song. My number four is For Your Eyes Only.
1: Yes, Uh, Melina.
0: This is is the Roger Moore selection for me. Um, Melina is an incredible character for me. I think that for the most part, I think the villain is solid. I love the fact that we have a Bond girl that works well with bond not Mm -hmm. because of the fact that bond is using her or just makes sexual advances at her i would argue that
1: she's using bond more than he's using her yeah
0: because she has her own mission her own personal mission yeah and the fact that she gets to execute it is very well done so that is my number four nice so what is your number three
1: the man with the golden gun
0: the man with the golden gun just missed out on my list Just missed out. Yeah,
1: I really enjoy this one. I think that the character of Scaramanga, the Christopher Lee character, is really memorable. I like that villain. I like the golden gun motif. That imagery is really striking to me. And it just seems like a good uh, foil for Bond.
0: Yes, because you mentioned it during the episode that he is almost more suave and... Uh, more of a commanding presence than Bond himself.
1: Yeah. Christopher Lee does a great job of trying to steal the movie from Bond.
0: He really does. So a uh, very good movie. Didn't make my list, but was somewhat close. Yeah. My number three is my Connery pick Goldfinger.
2: Mm.
0: I think Goldfinger brings most of what we know about Bond to the franchise. Like, Everything, like, you know, Martini, Shaken, Not Stirred, like, Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. have his catchphrases, the Aston Martin. Martin. Uh, There's enough there where... Shirley Basie,
1: first inclusion as a... First inclusion. Bond singer.
0: Which, again, that song, Goldfinger, just slightly missed my list of top five, but... It's excellent. (laughs) It's excellent. And so, I think, overall, the movie is... It's a fun romp in the world of James Bond. It does enough for you to engage with his character and really get a sense of who he truly is. Although in Dr. No, he is pretty well-formed.
1: Yeah, he's there.
0: this solidifies it, you know? Yeah, this brings
1: all the pieces together.
0: Exactly. So that is why Goldfinger is number three for me. Number two.
1: Casino Royale.
0: Casino Royale, number two for me as well.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Uh, it has the best Bond girl. In best Bond girl. It has a very memorable villain in Le Chiffre. Uh We love Craig.
1: Love casinos.
0: Love casinos. <laughs> uh, we love, I think the ending is incredible where, you know, it's a double cross. but The then Vesper
1: double cross is the, just. Yeah.
0: Very epic. well done. Yeah. So uh, we've already discussed it enough earlier in this episode. So I think we have the same number one.:
1: I think we do too. It's Skyfall. It's for me. Skyfall. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Skyfall <laughs> is the best.. Okay.
1: We always end up like the same top two.
0: I mean, because this this franchise has a definitive greatness at, at the top.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we both agree that it's Skyfall, Casino Royale. like mm-hmm. they have the most memorable pieces of their movies. Like, the villains are super memorable. The Bond girls are memorable. The plot itself is memorable. The actual acting in those movies is very memorable. So, there's a reason why. I think it has
1: a lot to do with cinematography as well, where the Bond movies look the best out of any of them.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: So, I think that that helps with them being on top. That definitely helps. Yeah.
0: And I wonder if... It's just a sense of recency bias. And by that, I mean, because he or Daniel Craig's Bond movies were the Bond movies during our movie like appreciation growing up type of Mm -hmm. thing. Like, sure, you and I were raised with Pierce Brosnan. Like we Mm -hmm. had Brosnan, but when we came to appreciate movies and really like seek after them and Yeah,
1: I was buying my own movie tickets when I was going to see Daniel Craig. <laughs>
0: exactly. So I think that plays a huge part into why we enjoy these movies so much because we actually actively seek them out.
1: When I would out. I'm very interested to see where the franchise goes and to see who is the next James Bond because I feel like that's a great limits test for us is to get a newer Bond, a different actor different players and then see how we feel about Skyfall and Casino Royale and all the rest.
0: Yes. It's a very interesting question. Very funny that you bring that up. Oh, God. So obviously Craig is done.
1: Craigson. So he's wanted to be done for a long oh yeah, time. he's
0: wanted to be done. So let's say you were in charge. You were like in the broccoli family somehow, let's say, and you had like, Very strong influence to decide who could be the next Bond. Do you have a name or maybe multiple names of people Um, you could see as Bond?
1: I think you should go first.
0: You think I should go first?
1: (laughs) Yeah, go first.
0: Okay, so I think the the biggest name that gets thrown out there the most is Tom Hardy. Uh Uh-huh. Do I think he can make a great bond? Yes, if he is leaning more towards Eames from Inception. Like that dashing debonair Mm -hmm. type of character. If he's leaning towards that, yes. But his choices in movies in the last few years gives me no confidence that he would portray the role in that way. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't see it. Okay, you want to know of another name I've heard, and I don't think is the worst idea either. Okay. A Mister Dev Patel.
1: I was thinking Dev. you as were thinking well. him a little bit, yeah.
0: I mean, he is from the UK, so he's like from the UK. If we're gonna stick to, he's that. young
1: enough. He's like yeah, 31, he's thirty one. So he has got some mileage.
0: Yeah, he he could get some mileage out of it. Um, you know, he's, he's a handsome man who can do action. We've seen, there's been an action movie with him not that long ago. I haven't seen it, but I've heard reviews. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: So I think he would be a very good leading man. Uh, Why not? Um, let me ask you this question. What if they get radical with it and decide instead of making, bond man like they go in the direction of a woman have you Uh ever thought of that
1: um not until right now i mean i have thought of it but as far as actual names um i don't have any right now i have one name oh god what's your name
0: i have one name and i think i think you would agree
1: okay what's what do you got
0: the name that i have that i think she would do amazing in vanessa kirby
1: Vanessa Kirby's good. I have Carrie Mulligan.
0: Carrie Mulligan? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I do not see her as the physical type like that. Exactly. Huh. Oh, so you're going for someone who maybe we haven't seen that potential. Mm hmm. Okay. I'm going with the other way. You're going with tried and
1: true. She just, you know, she's keeping up with Hobbes and Shaw and all that shit. Um, I think that I'm going for the more prestige actor.
0: Okay. I see what you're saying.
1: In an action role.
0: Okay. I I see what you're saying. Um, Okay. I'm having a hard time imagining.
1: I can see that you are. I can see that you are. But going back to a male um, James Bond. Go ahead. Other names that people have been throwing out like Henry Cavill, Idris oh, Elba. Yeah. yeah, I think that they're too old, to be quite honest with you.
0: Elba's too old.
1: I think Henry I Cavill's th- thirty-eight, right? By the he's time that like they cast him, right the yeah. By the-, the time that they get started with production, he'll be forty. Yes. So I just think that it he doesn't have enough time, you know, to do it. Tom Hiddleston's not a bad one, but he's also forty. But also
0: forty, yeah.
1: I'm really liking Daniel Kaluuya.
0: Ooh, ooh, see, see, that's really, I'm
1: really enjoying the thought of Daniel Kaluuya being James Bond.
0: That's a very interesting Bond. Yeah, I actually do not mind that at all.
1: I love it. The more that I think about it, I'm like, ooh, that'll be so good.
0: That would be good, because what I do like about Kaluuya, he has such a nice mix of tentpole and, you know, prestige work. Uh-huh. Like he has a nice mix in his in his repertoire and his performances never let you down. No. Like he is Like him excellent. in a tailored
1: suit, I'm like, "Ugh.
0: Like he has the look." Yeah. Like, down. Yeah. Kaluya. Damn, that's a good one.
1: Kaluya is my pick. But you know, if you were going to with an older actor, I would choose Charlie Hunnam.
0: Huh, Charlie Hunnam.
1: Charlie Hunnam's already 41. But if you're going with an older actor, if you are, then I would probably choose Charlie Hunnam. Because it's
0: not a bad choice.
1: Him in a tailored suit doing some action. We've already seen him do some action. He's got the chops, the acting chops. So I feel like that would be a pretty suave, you know, bond.
0: Right. Uh, there is one more name that I know people have been bringing up. For reference, Tom Hardy is 44. Uh, see, Tom Hardy, He's I think, I don't think would work. Me personally, mm. just because I don't think he would tap into what I think would be the good part of Bond, which mm. is basically his character Eames from Inception. Another name that's been brought up recently, and it's because he made this big splash on a show. It's um, he was on Bridgerton. Uh, oh yes, J. Jean Page.
1: Hmm.
0: Um. Maybe I don't know. I. I heard someone, it all depends on what they decide to do. Like if they decide to go outside of like, you know, white dude, you know. (laughs) Yeah. There are options.
1: Which I think that they're leaning towards that. Because the 00 from No Time to Die, Nomi, Nomi. was black. So like that's a great sign that they're thinking outside the box. And a woman. So they're thinking outside the box already for 007's replacement. I truly like. My pick of Daniel Kaluuya, though.
0: That that I think that's the best out of <laughs> all of our picks. Yeah, that's the best one, Daniel Kaluuya. I will agree with you on that.
1: Your pick of um, what's her name? Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. If
0: they decide to go the woman route, yeah, it's not a. I don't think it's a bad choice.
1: That's honest. That's an honest pick.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
2: Yeah.
0: So, if you have any thoughts on who should be Bond, why don't you let us know? We're on. All the socials. We're on Facebook, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, at Always Critic Pod. So if you want to let us know your thoughts on who should the next Bond be? What is the best Bond song? What is the best Bond movie? Or any of the other things that we talked about on this episode, go ahead and write us on one of those social platforms at Always Critic Pod. If you are a fan of this episode and you're not subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you could get our newest episodes every week. We are at Always the Critic Podcast. You can find us on any of the platforms that you listen to podcasts on. So that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you are so inclined... To really support us, go ahead and visit us on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. That way you can support the show. We have so many things that we want to do. And also, you know, it helps us with things that really take up us creating a podcast. Not just time, but there's also costs. So helping us out doesn't hurt us, I would say. So that is Everything we have on Bond. Do you have any last words? I am so
1: happy to get back to my life and not watch a Bond movie anymore.
0: Yes. Now we could go back. It is prestige movie season. Yes. We're getting into the prestige movies. I'm ready to go. So without further ado, this has been our show. I'm Rico.
1: And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic Podcast.